Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to our new segment. March is National Colon Cancer Awareness Month. Joining me here today to talk about this and to talk about what are the advances we've made, what should we be most aware of, and most importantly, what can you do? Many of us know the severity of this, and myself in particular lost a very, very dear friend about a year ago. Dr. Dustin Deming joining me here today. Dr. Deming, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for taking the word out. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, Lost a friend about a year ago, and most of us didn't know what we didn't even know about this. But you are an expert. And today we're talking about screening, trends, signs, symptoms, diagnosis, and treatments. And I, I wish that I would have known what I know now from the work that you're doing. But let's start with the beginning. What is one of the first things that people should know and do? So colon cancer is unfortunately all too common. And um, the sad thing is is that uh, people aren't doing what they need to do to prevent it. In that uh, colonoscopy um, can largely prevent colon cancer from even arising um, if it's done, but not enough uh, Americans are, are doing colonoscopies as uh, recommended. Mm-hmm. So from your point of view, you've been doing a lot of these interviews. You know, what are some of the signs? What are some of the symptoms? What, what is it that people should be aware of that they think, oh, my gosh, this is just some blank, 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 but it might not be. So the, the greatest risk factor for colon cancer is actually age. And mm-hmm. so as people age, they're at increased risk for colon cancer, and it happens in both men and women. Starting at age 50 is really when we're talking about people should be getting a screening colonoscopy done. Now, if they have a family history, then potentially doing it earlier makes sense, and they should talk to their physicians about that. Um, but largely what we're trying to do is have colonoscopies done before any symptoms arise. If we wait till symptoms come, then unfortunately the cancer presents at all too late stages, making it much harder to treat. If we do a colonoscopy and actually detect abnormal growths when they're just benign polyps, that actually prevents cancers from ever coming. And that's actually the best way to treat colon cancer is to prevent it from actually happening. Mm-hmm. When patients do develop symptoms, those symptoms can be pretty vague. So common symptoms would be changes in bowel habits, so constipation, diarrhea, 
Um, sometimes some blood in the stool can be a sign that uh, there's a colon cancer there. You know, I, I think that we've made several advances here. Um, you know, and I know, as you just talked about er, earlier, um, uh, there can be an early diagnosis. Um, what is it that we're talking about now for people that can be screened, that can discover early on? What are we talking about in terms of the progress we're making? What we're talking about is that if a colonoscopy is done and it detects an early cancer, that can be successfully treated with a minor surgery uh, for many patients. Whereas if we wait till symptoms come and and we have a, a bigger problem on our hands and potentially not able to cut the cancer out, that is a, a much different situation, and we have a, a lot more trouble treating that type of cancer. Okay. So one of the things I've heard all too often from my circle of friends is, you know, about the screening process. Uh, people are concerned about the screening process. Um, they know that uh, there are some things that may or may not happen or may go wrong in the screening process. And, you know, on the other hand, we've made advances. Can you give us a little information about the screening process and what people should know and what questions should they be asking their doctors? So we have made great progress in the the safety and and comfort that go along with having a colonoscopy done. The the risks of a a serious um, um, complication of these procedures are incredibly rare now. Um, For most patients, when they go in for their colonoscopy with the modern anesthesia, they take a little nap, wake up about an hour later, the procedure's done with very little uh, discomfort at all. Um, that's a, a been a huge advance at, over um, some of the procedures 10 or more years ago where they could have been um, quite uncomfortable. Also, there's much less risk to the actual intestine with the modern techniques as well. Mm. And, you know, there are so many reasons for people, especially, you know, as you mentioned, you know, people in the 50 and older age bracket to really pay lots more attention to this. Um, what would you say, what would you say to people about treatments that exist for uh, colon cancer? So again, the, the, the best thing is to prevent it from happening if we can. So, Getting the colonoscopy screening done, catching polyps is by far the best way to treat colon cancer. Uh, If it's caught early, we can do surgery and successfully treat the cancer. Um, But even in stages now where the the cancer has spread and we're talking about systemic therapies such as chemotherapies, there have been some great advancements and continue to be uh, advances in research ongoing, uh, especially related to using the body's own immune system to fight the cancer and then also personalizing the treatment strategies for patients. So really understanding what's wrong with the patient's cancer, what's making their cancer cell a cancer cell, and tailoring our therapies uh, for that specific patient and their cancer. Um, I want to ask you, now the world we live in, we're so connected. We're so connected through the digital world. We're so connected through websites. We're so connected with uh, telephone apps, smartphones, and all of the above. Um, what is the best way for people to find out more and also, you know, to put together enough information to fight 
uh, the cancer. So there are some great advocacy groups out there, the Colon Cancer Alliance and Fight Colorectal Cancer, and they both have great uh, websites that provide some very uh, patient-centered information regarding colon cancer and and colonoscopies. They also can connect people with uh, people who've been through this before to help better understand the process. Uh, Their websites are fightcolorectalcancer.org, and ccalliance.org. Wow. Uh, Thank you for the time you're taking today to join us here. And I want to ask you one last question. Um, I wanted to know from you what the vision is. What are you most hopeful about as we look towards the future? And what is your personal message for people today? What I'm I'm hopeful for is that we will... Instead of um, being in a situation where the minority of patients are being screened for colorectal cancer, that we will soon be in, in the situation where the majority are being screened. Because overwhelmingly, the best way to treat this cancer is to prevent it. And so if we can intervene when, when these lesions are still polyps before they ever become cancer, that would um, really go a long way to improving the survival for patients with this disease. Mm. In your personal message, I know that this is something for you. You are up close and personal with people. Every day you're looking at what we can do, what's being done. What's your personal message? What would you like to leave people with today? From a a personal level, I would like to leave people with a message of hope, Uh, a message of hope for um, more screening tests being done, a message of hope for uh, continued research so that uh, even when we don't find the cancer in the earliest uh, stages, that through new research we can continue to improve the survival for patients uh, affected with this cancer and other cancers as well. Wow. Thank you so very much for today, and thank you for all that you're doing to save lives. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. We're going to take a short break, everyone. We'll be right back. Learn how to be you in today's world on New Soul Radio. Follow host Ruby Betty each month on Transformation Talk Radio as she introduces new rules for new souls in these new times. As a powerful spiritual thought leader, modern mystic, and clairsentient, Ruby Betty is propelled toward a single goal, to awaken human beings to their fullest potential. For more information on Ruby and her work, visit rubybetty.co. Healing has a ripple effect. One person's healing affects everyone around them. This is where the power of sharing our stories can be so important. Tune in to Playing on the Edge Radio with Megan Edge each month on Transformation Talk Radio as Megan provides you with ways of sustaining radical and powerful changes in your life. Enact the power of radical change. To find out more about Megan Edge, visit her website at meganedge.ca. 
Awareness is universal. Establishing a living awareness through meditation brings peaceful, healthy, and creative well-being into your everyday life. The practice of living awareness, Spirit Fire's own meditation practice, is built on this belief and is designed for every level of practitioner. Each year, Spirit Fire hosts living awareness meditation retreats that allow you to explore the practice in depth at our retreat center in beautiful Western Massachusetts. Introduce yourself to meditation and the practice at the Foundations Retreat. Attend in silence a silent meditation retreat focused on mindfulness, presence, and nature, or be engaged with the meditation sittings themselves at the Deepening Retreat. Start adding to your awareness and attend a meditation retreat designed to cultivate consciousness in your everyday life. For details on attending a Living Awareness Meditation Retreat, visit upcoming events at www.spiritfire.com. Your happiness is your choice on Natural Peace Radio. Follow Sarah Van Ryswick as she addresses the power of emotions. Each month, Sarah covers different topics as she helps listeners activate their energetic spark and create powerful energy and amazing opportunities. Manifest your desires with Natural Peace Radio. For more information on Sarah and her work, visit naturalpeaceliving.com. The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens with Colette Marie Steffen is excited to welcome Karen Benton as a monthly guest host. Tune in on the third Wednesday of each month at 8 a.m. Pacific Time to regain confidence and trust in your capacity to create change in your life, your health, your family, and your well-being. Karen Benton is a mother, nurse practitioner, certified body talk practitioner, Franklin Method instructor, and owner of Limitless Living, LLC. For more information about Karen, visit KarenBenton.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We've got a great good news segment for all of you today. Today, what we're doing is we're stepping into the world of wellness. Joining me here today, for those of you out there, is Michael Tui, as well as Dr. Joseph McHale. Now, listen, here's what I want to say about all of the above. We love doing these good news segments, and we love doing them for a lot of reasons, but primarily because we're bringing to you all the best of what's out there in wellness and in innovation. Welcome to both of you for joining us here today. I mean, honestly, I could spend the entire segment talking about you, but I want to get right to the topic today. First of all, we want to talk about impacts and critical consideration. Uh, Dr. McHill, tell us about the disease. Tell us what your passion is. Well, it's great to be with you, and we appreciate and share your passion. Uh, You know, multiple myeloma is an incurable blood cancer that originates in the bone marrow, which is the factory of our blood. And unfortunately, the cancerous cells there start attacking a patient's bones, so they get a lot of bone pain. It can attack their kidneys, it weakens their immune system, uh, and very often can uh, really impact every facet of a myeloma patient's life. And my passion to answer your question, of course, is to find a cure for this disease. And while we're working on finding a cure, improving the lives of patients with multiple myeloma by bringing them great treatments and by partnering with them uh, to do the best we can to overcome this horrible cancer. 
Yeah. And, you know, what we're talking about here today, when we're talking about multiple myeloma, we're talking about how can we improve it, treat it across disease continuum, but more importantly, look at and address the impact of it. And what are some of the critical things that we should be looking at to consider? Uh, Michael, you're also on the call. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, from your point of view, you are somebody that has experienced uh, multiple myeloma firsthand. Tell us about your experience. Tell us about your passion and connection to what Dr. McHale is doing here. Sure. I was diagnosed in 2000 at the age of 36, which is fairly young for being diagnosed with multiple myeloma. And my first five years were like a roller coaster. I had a lot of bone pain. I was breaking ribs. I was in very high amounts of pain. And what back in 2000, 2001, there weren't too many therapies that are available today. So I had a stem cell transplant and I got a three-year remission from that. And because myeloma, it's an incurable disease, although highly treatable now, it relapses. It came back to me and the time it came back, I was fortunate there was a therapy available that I could go on and it put me in remission in a few months. So 12 mm -hmm. years later, still in remission. I, I mean, we're talking life-changing and life-saving. That's what we're really talking about here. And so when I think about this, I'm thinking about not only what you've been able to see up close and personal, but how has survival expectations changed, doctor? How have they changed? Because we're here to, to really say to folks, We've got a new experience, and we want to know what the experience is like, especially for someone that like 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 Michael, who is traveling with you on these conversations. Absolutely, multiple myeloma is one of the very few cancers where we've seen such an improvement in survival over the last decade. Indeed, we've gone from. Uh, even back when Michael was diagnosed, it wasn't really expected for patients to live maybe more than a year or two years. Mm. Now the average patient is living over a decade, uh, and, and that has been the product of uh, newer treatments and combination treatments that have been able to control the disease so much better than we ever could before. Yeah. And, you know, thanks to, you know, first of all, the International Myeloma Foundation. And for those of you out there, go to myeloma.org, M-Y-E-L-O-M-A.org. And please follow the innovations on this. You know, we're looking at, some people say, oh, but wait, what are you talking about? 10 years. Listen, a lot changes in 10 years. A lot changes. Isn't that right, Michael? A lot can change. So to have that extended life, is literally what helps people remain hopeful and see things change and create and innovate right in front of their eyes. Absolutely. When I was first diagnosed, I got my affairs in order. I thought I'd be gone in a year or two. So to be here 18 years later, and it's, it's amazing how many things have changed. Like you said, 10 years, a lot changes. And that's why it really helps for a patient to... First thing we recommend to a patient that comes to our support group, my wife and I run a support group in Connecticut, and we tell a patient to see a myeloma expert is the most critical thing you could do, like Dr. McHale here. Yeah. You have to educate yourself. As you mentioned, the IMF's website, there's also an info line where you could talk to an actual person, which is nice for a person that doesn't have a computer, and that's 
1-800-452-CURE, C-U-R-E. And knowledge is power. It's critical for a patient to educate yourself as much as you can. And then you can talk to your expert and he could guide you down the road. Yeah, uh, here's a question for you, doctor. I wanna ask you this question. I wanna know from you and your life, your experience, your passion, where have we been? Where are we now? And where are we going to get a cure for this disease? Well, that's a fantastic question. Where we were, of course, is a situation where we had very limited options. Most patients were in pain for most of the time that they lived, and they lived for very short periods of time. Where are we now? Thankfully, with better treatment strategies and approaches, we have patients in remission for longer, suffering fewer of the, fewer of the complications of the disease, and indeed living longer. Where are we going in the future uh, is uh, I'm very excited and very passionate about discovering the cure for this disease, and we're getting closer to it every day as we better understand the disease from great science and the research that goes behind it. We can develop treatments and approaches that I believe will be able to eradicate this disease so that patients can live their normal lives, they can live the, with the expectations and the hopes that they would have had even without multiple myeloma. We're not there yet. Yeah. We still have a lot of work to do, uh, but we have a tremendous team, literally internationally, and, and we're blessed in this country to have uh, the resources and the support through support groups for patients, through academic centers and community centers that work together, amazing research labs, clinical trials, and companies that develop uh, these wonderful drugs so that we can uh, really come to that point where we can cure this disease. Mm. You know, as I sit and listen to this, I mean, we're looking at the incredible innovations now uh, and and beyond things to be hopeful about. I, I want to ask you, if we could, Michael, if you today were speaking face-to-face to others that have heard the diagnosis, what would you say to them? What advice would you give them? And what was most important to you in your journey? Like I said, I think the most important thing to tell a patient is to go to a myeloma expert. That's number one. Number two, I would tell them to educate themselves because being able to talk with your physician and understand what's going on is very important. And number three, I would send them to the International Myeloma Foundation's website, which I discussed before, Four, I would also recommend they join a support group. A lot of states in the country have support groups, and a lot of them are run by myeloma patients. So it's a great source to hear about different uh, therapies that are coming out, their side effects, and it's just great to have the companionship to talk to other patients and caregivers. Yeah. I mean, I know this is a short time together. Same question to you, Dr., what is it, if you were face-to-face with someone, what would be the words that you would share? Well, if I'm speaking to patients, I want to provide them with the sort of re- the resources that uh, have been described here, but, but to empower them, uh, to, to have them realize that it isn't that they go to an office and get told what to take. We have shown unequivocally that when we partner together with our provider team as patients and as caregivers, 
we can come up with the best treatment strategy for a patient. We can care for all aspects of their life, not just their tumor. As I so frequently say, we don't treat cancer, we treat people. Yeah. And making sure that they don't lose that individuality uh, and, and lose what is most precious and valuable to them. And as we come up with a treatment plan, we think of what's important to them, what do they want to achieve in life, where do they want to travel, the things that they want to do. Those are the kinds of things that uh, I think are fundamental so that someone does not get lost in their diagnosis and consider themselves to be a diagnosis. They're that person that they've always been, and we want to retain that. I absolutely love talking to both of you, and I want to wish you all the best. Again, questions for how people can find out more. Please tell them. We would send them to the International Myeloma Foundation website, which is myeloma.org where there are resources there for patients and caregivers and providers, or if they prefer to call the information line, uh, 1-800-452-CURE, C-U-R-E. All right. Thank you both so very much for all that you do, and thank you for being an inspiration for so many. Thank you very much. You're very kind. Thank you. All right. You bet. We're going to take a short break, everyone. We will be right back. Have you ever lost your way while driving somewhere? This can be unsettling as you don't know if you should go left, right, forward, backwards, or make a U-turn. Hi, I'm Eve from Elite Tarot, host of the weekly show Mainstream Metaphysics Radio, where we harness the power of the universe for happier living. As an intuitive coach and professional tarot card reader, I work with clients worldwide on helping them get back on their natural road of living their life with joy. Next time you feel off track, Tap into your inner child's sense of joy and write down on paper the non-negotiable qualities that you're needing in career or love, but without limiting specifics. With your list, you know where to place your energy going forward and where not to. You're always best served when your inner child is at the navigation controls. However, don't worry, you still have the keys to the car. If you would like to schedule a personal navigation session with me, please visit my website at EliteTarot.com. That's E-L-I-T-E-T-A-R-O-T.com. Holistic Medical Center is where you find it all. A healthy space with doctors who care, see, and listen to the whole you. Hi, this is Dr. Darvish. If you have not found an answer to your chronic symptoms, you will find answers here at Holistic Medical Center. Our doctors find the root cause of your symptoms and guide your body towards healing naturally. We transform lives from within. Visit drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404. Are you tired of being tired? Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. Did you know the adrenal glands, the workhorse of the body? They are the means by which you position yourself in life for whatever comes your way. Tiny but mighty, producing hormones the body uses to promote energy and vitality. These adrenals determine how you respond to stress, and when depleted, the body loses its ability to function powerfully when we need it most. The much-needed adrenaline or epinephrine is not available for emergency situations. Cortisone and cortisol, the longer-acting anti-stress adrenal hormones, can also become depleted due to the pace of our everyday lives. We overwork and undernutrition our most powerful ally that helps us to live the lives we desire. We are able to determine the optimum function of the adrenals and put your system back in balance. 
Contact us today to feel powerfully energized at 888-777-4232 or visit us at maryjanemack.com. Tune in to Knowledge Brook Radio with host Marge Potasic each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Through many experiences, Marge was led to the Knowledge Book, a gift to humanity in its transition to the Golden Age, and it provided the truth and the answers. She now shares information from the Knowledge Book with you each week on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information, visit USA.TheKnowledgeBook.net. Let It Go Radio. The future awaits you. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio as host Barbara Scheidegger explores the way to clarity, peace, and how to live a successful life on your terms by turning negative experiences into positive ones. Barbara's curiosity about the human experience drives her both personally and professionally. As a life coach, author, and renowned clinical hypnotherapist, Barbara knows how to move forward in a natural, organic way without side effects. If you want to grow, be sure to tune in to Let It Go Radio. To learn more, visit LetItGoHypnosis.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for tuning in to our news segments, our good news segments. Uh, Today, I want to talk a little bit, Benny, about kind of the right stuff. Um, You know, there was a movie out there called The Right Stuff. Mm -hmm. And there is a question mark now that we are uncovering here in our country about what the right stuff is. So, you know, right now what we're looking at as a country is we're looking at people come forward and have a voice in their lives about things that have affected them in the past negatively and offenses that have been made to them. And people are asking the question, how do I really feel about that? Do I consider that an offense? You know, what would happen if that happened to me? And then on the other hand, we're looking at what really is the norm in today's pop culture. Now, I'm not claiming to be a pipe, a pop culture, better, better known, it should be called pipe culture, a pop culture uh, expert. But I have studied in my time behavior, human behavior to be exact. So even if you don't agree with all of the bad press that Katy Perry is getting, the question you got to be asking yourself, somebody sent Katy Perry the headlines. Somebody knock on Katy's door and say, just, just for a minute, can you please look at the tone of what's happening in our culture right now? Now, for those of you that are thinking, what the heck are you talking about, Pat? So, Benny, I'm talking about American Idol now has three judges, Luke Bryan, Katy Perry, and my favorite, who just, he has shook his head more times in the first, like, three shows of American Idol than a bobblehead doll of Russell Wilson sitting on your car. Picture Russell's bobblehead on your car 
that is maybe a four-wheel drive. Now picture Russell, our quarterback. Is he still our quarterback, Benny? Russell Wilson, yeah. Yeah, okay, just checking. Mm -hmm. Now, imagine him on the bobblehead of your car, your little bobblehead doll. So I don't know if you guys know this, but you can actually order custom bobbleheads for your car. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah, you can get it. I, I don't know who the company is, but I'll look it up for you guys later. So imagine Lionel Richie in your car, one of the judges with a little bobblehead of Lionel, shaking his head at both Katy Perry and Luke Bryan. Two things come to mind that my friends that are in that age category, my young friends, uh, are still shaking their head at. Age doesn't matter. To, to kind of say, well, they're young. I don't think Luke Bryan's young. Katy Perry's 31, almost like Benny's age. But yeah, the point. I had about 10 more years. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate that, Pat. It's okay, honey. I know it's close. No, I'm fine with it, but uh, you're off by 10. This is like a little closer. I know, I'm a baby. But the question really is, if you're doing an American Idol show, let's just start with a basic fundamental question for you, Katie. If you're doing an American Idol show that's all about the contestants, ask yourself the question, what keeps you, what keeps you from trying to be about the contestants. What is it that, that just so takes over you guys that you're doing weird things when contestants show up that are nervous as can be? And let me just give you an example. My roots on my mama's side, my roots on the mama's side is from the South. And when that woman the other day showed up and brought her guitar. Um, the bottom line is to that she brought her guitar, she had her hat on, and man, did she lay it down, Benny. She laid down country. I don't know if we can get that song. But as the woman was singing her heart out, this young woman, both Katy Perry and Luke Bryant, Katy Perry especially, jumped up there and in a not-so-respectful way, to us country folks, tried to make light of this girl's background and heritage. But I got to tell you, I think that what would be in this day and age for all y'all listening, I don't know, do anybody of you listening watch American Idol? Give us a call, 1-800-930-2819. I want to hear from you. I need a sanity check just to see if maybe like I'm getting too old and like stuff is bothering me more. But can you imagine if I'm doing this show and I've got an interview with somebody and I get one of those, what do they call them? Fart sound things that you have that these two are playing with on the show and hand it to this country girl and ask this girl if she could demonstrate how to milk a cow's udder. Now, I got to tell you, that sounds a little bit funny on the surface, but I'm just saying, for me, that has got to be an all-time low for American Idol. At least I thought it was an all-time low. 
But then let's just keep talking about it. Somebody please find Katy Perry a date. Please help this child get herself a date. Because if that were a man sitting behind there, Katie, and I'm telling you, I'm going old school on you now, girl. Going a little old school on you. If that were Lionel Richie sitting in that chair, I love you, Lionel. But if that were him sitting in that chair, flirting and kissing female contestants, can you imagine you sitting there as the producer and and you get some people coming in? And all of a sudden now you want to show them how to, you want to give one of the female contestants her first kiss. Can you please tell me what Eric Crema and company would be saying to you all up in your grill? A lot going on there, that's for sure. (laughs) So I'm just saying, it's a little bit weird for me. And I got an email this morning from somebody, uh, one of our listeners, who asked me a question about it, and I decided I'm going to talk about this a little bit. I'm just going to say, first of all, this is how serious this is. They are in a position of power. Do you you understand what I'm saying, Benny? Those three judges are in a position of power. They have power over whether or not a contestant whether or not a contestant, an 18-year-old boy, they have power over whether or not that contestant is going to make it through. So can we just kind of can we just kind of position this in terms to like a workplace situation, right? Well, I got people at work for me. You, you know, you got people that you're working with. We all got people. If you're in the workplace, you're either working for someone. Imagine someone in a power position about your destiny. This one and future destiny moment. Not just the auditions, B, right? But these three are going to make decisions all along the way. Now, juxtapose that to the other singing competition, The Voice. I will tell you in a hot second, if Adam Levine or Blake stood up and said, come over here, I'm going to give you the first kiss you've ever had by a man, Lord have mercy. So here's the question I want to ask you guys. One, what do you think about Katy Perry doing that? Two, what do you think about Katy Perry and Luke Bryan asking a country girl to show them how to milk a cow with a, I don't even know what you call that thing, uh, what, about that. And does Katy Perry owe this young man and all of the viewers a big fat apology? It's an interesting question. It's an interesting road to go down. It's an interesting road to go down. And so, you know, I think that when you are someone in celebrity status, when you are someone in a position of power, and those three, Lionel Richie, who shakes his head, I think, can we get Lionel, can we order a Lionel Richie bobblehead and send it to him? 
I, I would like to get Lionel one of them. So he, he doesn't have to keep shaking his head anymore. Not only does he shake his head, Benny, but he can't, he gets up. He steps away from, this is in the front of contestants, mind you. Shakes his head and just rolls his eyes at what's going on. Is Lionel complicit? Oh, my God. Can you tell, Benny, I've learned a few of these legal words now, like just watching the headlines? Is American Idol complicit? Oh, boy. Pat's getting on the edge again. I'm going to tell you. In the, in the book of, of, of labor law and in the state of Washington alone, I'm going to tell you, if you did anything that even looked, smelled, uh, intended to be of that nature, OMG, you better have a great, not a good lawyer. Has American Idol gone too far? And if so, what, if anything, is the public willing to do about it? Or is it okay because it is, Katie? Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. I want to hear from anybody that has anything to say about any of this. 1-800-930-2819. 1-800-930-2819. Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. Tune in to Lucid Planet Radio with Dr. Kelly Neff. This hit show will illuminate your senses and empower you beyond your daily stressors and hardships. Renowned psychologist and author Dr. Kelly will captivate you with far-reaching topics and amazing guests as you wake to the greatest version of yourself. Learn to tap into your intuitions, think critically about our world, heal emotional and psychological wounds, and follow your passions to live your dreams. The Lucid Planet. Welcome home. Visit lucidplanetradio.com for more information. Amber Teal, founder of The Healthy Edge, is bringing you the hit show Healthy Edge Radio, living with power, passion, and purpose. Amber provides the support and tools necessary for you to finally release the weight and emotions that are hidden beneath the weight. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio. For more information on how you can take the next step with Amber, visit GetTheHealthyEdge.com. Plus, live your purpose equals joy. That's the motto of Unstuck Joy with Vicki Todd. Vicki believes you were born with gifts that are meant to make the world brighter. Each show will feature an art visioning journal prompt to help you create your way to soul clarity. If you're ready to get unstuck and create more joy, this show is for you. Tune in the first and third Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio. For more information, visit VickiWorldArt.com. Tune in to the hit show, Raging Skillet Radio, mouthing off with Chef Rossi. Chef Rossi mouths off about different subjects in pursuit of breaking down walls and opening up your minds. She and Dr. Pat banter back and forth, taking from the headlines of the day on subjects that reach beyond what goes on in the world into your hearts. And go to theragingskillet.com to find out more and let Chef Rossi know what's on your mind. Tune in to E3 Influence Radio. Own your impact. Master your world. 
In this new hit show, Sarah Luce, empowerment coach and spiritual mentor, teaches us how to achieve our greatest potential to positively affect everything and everyone. The time is now to enlighten our minds, empower our hearts, and take energized action to raise the consciousness of our planet. Sarah shows us how with simple, easy-to-implement steps. To find out more about Sarah Luce and her E3 Influence program, visit sarahluce.com. Stay juicy. Tune in to Your Juicy Love with me, Una Drake, co-hosting monthly with Dr. Pat, and every second Monday at 12 p.m. on Transformation Talk Radio. My show, Your Juicy Love, helps you find the dynamic, life-affirming love you've always wanted. Transform your relationships and bring peace, joy, and juicy, juicy love to planet Earth. For more information, visit unadrake.com. That's what I'm saying. So interesting enough, it is really quite amazing. So what's happening with this little scenario is the 18-year-old kid that was asked, do you think it's sexual harassment, who just got uh, moved ahead, I believe, by the three judges, right? So they're asking the kid, uh, do you think it? Do you think it's sexual harassment? So, okay, news flash, everyone. So let, let let's just think about this. So, okay, this is you, and you get this first kiss by Lionel Richie, and these people are the people that have to make a decision about you for pretty much the remainder of the deal, right? So, like here you are, and you're getting ready to kind of rocket, moving, move ahead, right? Uh, and Benny pointed something interesting out to me, and that is that American Idol, right, and the network, I totally forgot this, American Idol uh, and the network decided they were going to air this episode. And I forgot that because we forget that these audition things are like taped, right, Benny? They're like taped like what, months ago, like in the summer or they something. They can be. I do know some of these networks do these shows, <clears throat> excuse me, out far enough out of yeah. advance. Uh, but then they do occasionally the live stuff too. So, But I believe this one was done a little earlier. So obviously uh, it seemed like the network approved of it. I don't it, know. I'm the so, network I'm, approved I'm of it. And Lionel Richie asked the question, will you stop flirting now? Right? Will you stop flirting now? And what's interesting about this is this is an episode that did not have to air. It didn't have to air. The question is, are ratings so very important? Are ratings so very important that the network would air something like this even though Everything out there about the Me Too movement uh, and all of the visibility now, all the women that have come forth, all of the above. Do we really think this kid would answer, yes, I think it was sexual harassment? No, no, because him, like a bunch of other people that have been sexually harassed, in the face of their offenders, 
with either a job loss on the line or the other way is either a contestant uh, in a singing competition would be thinking, uh, what do I want to do? Do I want to just stop and say, uh, even though this American Idol contestant says it was uncomfortable, but says Katy Perry's kiss wasn't harassment. Uh, I got to tell you, at 18 years old, I didn't know what was harassment or not. All I knew is, yeah, it was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. Uh, the guy says, this is, this is how for me, this is the crux of it. The guy says, he told the New York Times later, his name is Glazed, told the New York Times later that he was a tad bit uncomfortable. Why? Because he wanted to save his first kiss for his first relationship. I tell you, that's just wrong right there. That, that, that just, that is like, I don't know who his first girlfriend's going to be, but he, she will forever, <laughs> she will forever be in the shadow of Katy Perry. So yeah, unless you're Beyonce or something, I think, you know, you probably want to look at the bigger picture here. The other thing I think we have to get really clear about when we, when we put this under a you know, let's just put it under a microscope for a minute. It's not that um, uh, this is just a one-time event with Katy Perry. The network itself and American Idol promoted the heck out of this. Um, but viewers weren't amused. This is really what I want to talk about. They pointed out that the same situation between a 30-something male judge and a 19-year-old female contestant would not have been played for laughs. Do you think that's true? I think that's true. I think it's true. I think if, you know, any of them judges, you know, Brian or, 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 or Richie would have even looked to do the same, that would have been, we would have a lawsuit here. But it's not just a kiss. It's a kiss on the lips. Right there. Would that have been okay for a male celebrity to do to a young girl? Would that have been okay? The answer is by any, any, any law class or anything you take in law, any of or all of the above, none of the above is okay. So anybody out there thinking that you're feeling a little bit attractive to that young male or young female person in your workplace and that this would be something good to do, I don't know about you, but I, I, I just want to break out in hives. I just want to break out in hives. So for me and the people that I know listen to this show, this is a question mark for all of us, really, when we think about our lives, when we think about what we stand for, we get to explore all or any of our humanity together. But it's an interesting question. So I, I ask myself in a place of introspection, am I becoming outdated when it comes to our pop culture? Am I outdated? 
if you're a mom or a grandmom of either a young boy or a young girl, and that is your child, what might you be thinking? But here's what I know today, and this is what's totally positive about this. A lot of us are thinking about it. A lot of us are talking about it. And a lot of us are really contemplating, given the, the, the tenor of where we are in our own country and the movements that are happening all across this country and actually all across the world. Where is the line that each of us draws in the sand? Where is that line? What does it come to mean to us? And when all is said and done, are you going to be able to look in the mirror and say, I'm okay? And I think that's, what's cool. that's what all of us are questioning right now. You know, we're questioning it from how we are in the workplace, how we talk to each other, how we support each other, what we want to do or not do in the world. Are we more mindful now? You know, I got to tell you, I became more mindful. You know, I realized that I play sports with men. It's kind of rare, Benny, but I actually play a sport with men where we're equal in what we do. And a lot of times we're playing partners. We're very close to each other, very close. And I'm more mindful now of how often I touch somebody other than every match you shake their hand, winner or loser. But I'm really acutely mindful now of how I may touch somebody on the shoulder. I'm not a butt toucher, so that's not going to happen. But I'm very much aware of it. And I'm very grateful for the reminder. Because when all is said and done, respect for each other and our humanity and our spiritual condition is something that I hope all of us keep in mind. So the question is, how many people did actually turn off American Idol or not? That's the question. According to the ratings, not a whole lot. So maybe I do have to get a sanity check on my generational thinking. Let's take a break, everyone. Where we're going back, we're going to be talking about Joy Robert Schoenfeld in the house. We'll be right back. Audio was via a Skype call. 